0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Fully Books, the Hidden Gems Author Podcast, which Craig Touch and myself, Roland Hume, chat some interesting figures and leading lights in this crazy industry we're in of writing and self-publishing. Although today we are branching a little bit further than just writing and self-publishing and talking about, you know, creativity as a whole. And to do so, we have a very special guest. He might be familiar to people who've worked with Hidden Gems before. It is Nate Allison. Nate, it is a great pleasure to have you join us today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, for being. I'm glad to be here. Well, we are delighted to have you. And of course, we wouldn't be here without the man himself, Craig Touch, the owner and founder of Hidden Gems and an author himself. How are you doing today, Craig?
1: Doing great. Thanks, Roland. Uh, thanks for coming on, Nate. Um, yep. So, yeah, today I I wanted to talk about AI and how it's being used Um for in the writing, you know, mostly in the writing sphere of things. So, and not just for writing, but for image generation, you know, authors using it, say for covers, for advertising, for whatever. Um, But I want us to talk about it in the sense of, you know, you know, not just what we can do with it, but also whether we should be doing stuff with it and, and what the, the uh, ethical considerations are here, because, Um, You know, it's not just a matter of, you know, take, uh, you know, go to ChatGPT and say, write a book. Not that it can, but and it's not just like pull up mid-journey and say, do a a picture of whatever and then use that for your cover. There are uh, arguments on either side uh, saying whether you should be allowed to do that. Um, And the reason why I wanted Nate to come on here to talk to us today with uh, to, you know, to sort of I mean, you know, Roland and I could have uh, hashed this out on our own and just talked about the issues, but uh, not that we're experts, but um, but Nate. You know, is not only is he you know a cover designer and, and a graphic designer, does a lot of the graphics for for hidden gems, um, but he's also uh, so listen. I don't know if it's a secret, but he's studying to be a lawyer, and and uh, again, he's not a lawyer yet. But he understands sort of uh, the legal arguments, the artistic side of it arguments a lot better than than I do. Maybe than Roland does. So I think um, you know having him on here, I, I want to get his perspective uh, so that he can talk to those points and we can sort of understand um, what those arguments are. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so so let's start that off with um, you know this uh, this came about sort of I you know I sent out um, an email to uh my newsletter uh showing some of the images that i had done i recently got a computer that is able to run you know my own version of stable diffusion which is sort of like a you know mid journey but you know you can run it on your own machine um and i showed uh, i showed some images that i had done to the to the uh newsletter and i got an email from from an artist Saying, listen, there's a lot of ethical considerations here um, about this, and and I'm glad that she brought that up because it's not that I didn't know that, but I, you know, I wasn't really thinking about it at, in terms of that. And you know, she was just saying, you know, let's be mindful of those issues, so that when you're saying to people, hey, look what you can do, you also want to show, uh, you know, ha- let them make their own decision about whether they should do it and what they want to do with those images. So. Let's talk a bit about that um, to start us off. So, Nate, you know, what are some of the, you know, those ethical considerations that we need to think about um, with the image gen specifically?
2: Okay. Uh, so basically the way that generative AI works is that it um, takes a large data set um, that has been contextualized usually by um, human beings um, and then uh, it basically you enter a text prompt and the prompt reads the context that has been provided and then it outputs um, either text or or a generative image based on your prompt and then the context. So the ethical issue is that for, in order for these models to work um, they require huge amounts of uh, information, um, both uh, public domain information and then also uh, not public domain. So uh, IP that is uh, still protected by copyright. So we're talking uh, photographs, illustrations, um, entire books, uh, basically like uh, articles from the internet, uh, pretty much everything that can possibly be scraped has been scraped into one of these data models at one time or another. Um, so the ethical consideration is that at no point or at very few points that I can think of because I can't think of a model that is completely opt-in at the moment, um, the creators of this content uh, were not consulted or compensated or um, given the opportunity to opt out. Uh, So when all of these new images and and text and and things are being generated, they're only being generated because of the backbone of uh, protected content that's been used to build the underlying software, basically. That's the big ethical consideration is that for everything that you make, there's some stranger somewhere that contributed to it in some tiny way. And a lot of the strangers, basically, in little tiny ways to make what you have. Because generative software doesn't create something new. It's just reiterating
0: things that have already existed, basically. So that's that's the ethical consideration. Now, as, as a thought of that, like, I write romance books that are adventure stories. So I got an author called Julie Cooper and Ian Fleming who writes James Bond books, and I, like, smooshed them together. And that's my writing style. So I basically developed my writing style from taking like the writing style of two other people that really resonated with me and a kind of like my own interpretation. So isn't that what intelligence does?
2: To an extent, the problem is, is that, I mean, we're talking about the difference between um, inspiration and generation, right? So if you're inspired by, let's say, ian fleming and you create a, a character that's like james bond you've ripped off ian fleming with your new character you know super spy whatever and i mean you're not fooling anyone like anybody who reads that book is going to say oh yeah you know, you've got read a lot of ian fleming books and this is a complete ripoff but i mean that's not that's not infringement I mean, it's, it's not something that like you could, that would be actionable. Like, I mean, but the difference here is that with, with AI generation is that it's using copyrighted content to create something. So the, the issue is really like it's, it's not ripping off. It's more taking someone else's work and then creating something that then ultimately competes with the person who created it in the first place or a lot of people, like I said, because it's, it's a huge data set. So there's tons and tons, like millions and millions and billions of like little pieces of data with little, little snippets of context that like create these images and books and things like that. So, um, it's, it's not the same as, as I, I, cobbled these two things that I love together to make this new thing. Um, Trying to think of a good way to put this. Like a, a human being, if they're inspired, still uses their own imagination to create something. I mean, and when you first start out creating it, whether you're a painter or you're a sculptor or whatever, nine times out of 10, you're kind of standing on the shoulders of giants, so to speak. So you're generally making something that's very similar to someone that you grew up, that, that caused you to like the art form that you're doing to begin with, whether that's writing or whatever. So the work that you're producing is gonna be super similar to theirs because you've read it a billion times or you're, you've consumed it a billion times. It's, it's fresh in your mind. You want to be like them. So your writing or your sculpting or your your architecture or whatever looks like your inspiration a lot, but eventually your own voice takes over and that becomes like where you separate yourself and you start creating actual original work, even if you're still inspired and people will say, oh yeah, like clearly like that's where this came from. It's completely different with AI. AI is just building something. Based on a prompt, there's very little like uh, human imagination there. I mean, the prompt is there, but all the the prompt is just it's just an idea. It's uh, it's it's just give me this, and I mean, there's then the machine takes over from there.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. Like, (laughs) I really don't see. A huge difference between somebody who learns to paint, a human that learns to paint by studying a bunch of different painters and then creating something inspired by those painters from their imagination and AI that learns from all those painters and then creates something inspired by the imagination of the prompt that was given to it. Like I don't see a big difference there, and I think that in I mean, listen, this hasn't been decided by the courts, and eventually it will be. So Mm -hmm. there's no, you know, I mean, there's people can argue that there's right and wrong, but there, I mean, it's all it's still opinion based until something is really officially decided. But, um, but I I really feel like I don't see a huge difference between those two, and I, I kind of feel like, um, the arguments against. Are more based on what you said before, whereas this unfair this idea of unfair competition, like all of a sudden, you know, the AI is is going to unfairly compete when it learned f- how to draw from from looking at the images of the people it's competing against. But that's the same thing with the human artists, where they learn to draw, uh, they learn to paint. By studying all these other artists, and then they're now competing when they're selling their art, they're competing against those artists. So, I, I mean, it's on a grander scale, obviously. But I mean, that's that's just, I mean, that's just how technology and progress works. I think. Um, I know. I know a lot of people will disagree, but I, I, I'm I'm failing to see the big distinction about why it's any different when AI does it versus when other people do it. Uh, Maybe. I think the. The distinction is
2: is ai isn't learning to paint or to draw like it's ai isn't learning anything it's it's not um like it's not a person like it's 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 not like even through the context that's being provided it's not like if you feed an, an ai generative model a billion paintings the ai isn't a painter like it, it doesn't understand paint it doesn't understand brushes It doesn't understand form or composition or any of that. Like, it's not a painter. All it's doing is it's taking a big set of data, all of the paintings that it's been given that have been contextualized, and it's mushing them together and spurting them back out again in a way that it logically thinks it's supposed to. But, I mean, it doesn't understand what a painting is. Like it, but, the, but, why, the,
1: but why does that matter, right? Like, why why should that make a difference? I mean, it party? matters
2: because it's not
1: creating anything new. Like, the, well, it the, is though, right? You're not going to take an image that it generated and be able to put it in a reverse image search and find that image already existing.
2: No, I mean, you aren't, and and in that respect, yes, it's creating something new to for to to that in that scope. Like it's 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 a a new combination of pixels basically that that hasn't been seen before, but which that is combination any of picture, huh?
0: which can well, be said
2: is mean, any picture, I, right? I'm, but what I'm getting at is that like it's not something that like it's created from scratch the way like a new painter would, even if they're copying someone, even if they're tracing, like even if you have somebody who takes a piece of art and traces over the top of it, like they're still creating more. Than the AI would because the AI isn't creating anything new. It's taking pixels that already exist and smooshing them together in a different way. That's what generative AI does. I mean, like it's not, it doesn't, know. it doesn't make anything. It's, it's, it's recombining other elements in its database. I think but it doesn't big- understand why.
0: I think there's a big esoteric question of how different is artificial intelligence to human intelligence? Because at the end of the day, that's what we kind of do, except we understand context. So like there's I write spy novels and if he drinks a a vodka martini, there's the context of, oh, that's what James Bond drinks. But at the same Mm -hmm. time, it's like I'm I'm taking things. I mean, isn't that where is the difference between artificial intelligence and human intelligence? And is what we're doing approaching that point where the, the only differentiation is, Oh, it's okay when a human does it.
2: I I don't think we're anywhere close. I mean, if, if we were, this conversation would be very different because if artificial intelligence was actually anywhere like human intelligence, I mean, I'd be shitting my pants right now because (laughs) I'd, I'd be terrified. Like, that's like generative ai isn't it's it's not ai okay it's not artificial intelligence at all really it's it's all it is is a huge database where human beings and not even the, the machine but human beings have contextualized bits and pieces of data with books it's it's like with with art it's different because most of the time like if you have a piece of art it's contextualized like this is a picture of a Caucasian man wearing a black jacket and he's got brown eyes and so on and so forth. So if you go into the AI and you say, I want a picture of a Caucasian guy wearing a black jacket and brown eyes, the computer is going to take all of the bits and pieces of of, of photographs and paintings and everything it's got in the database. And it's going to, to iterate them and make something that looks exactly like or close enough to what you want it to look like based on that prompt and that context. But, like, that's not the way human intelligence works. Human imagination is like, I'm going to create something out of thin air. The computer's not doing that, not even kind
1: well, of. hold I mean, hold, uh, hold on, though. Like, I mean, if I was going to draw a picture of, of, a, of a person with black hair, brown eyes, etc., like you described, I'm not pulling that out of thin, thin air. I'm doing it based on my memory of what all the people I've seen that look like that. And that is kind of the same thing as of what they're doing. I'm saying, okay, like I I know some people with black hair and brown eye, you know, it looks like this and like that. And I'm, you know, doing my own version of it in my own style. But I mean, I don't know that that's kind of like what. I mean, okay. So here's the difference is I could say, I could tell you two
2: guys, okay. I want each of you guys to draw me a picture of, a guy with a black jacket and brown eyes. So both of you are gonna draw completely different pictures from each other. But I could also ask you to do it like a billion more times. Don't do the same one twice. And you could do that. The problem with AI is that like, it only knows uh, a finite number of pictures or whatever that has that specific context. So eventually, Like, I mean, it's going to, it it, it runs out. Like, it doesn't, it can't imagine a new person the way that a human being can imagine a new person. Like, so you might draw a picture of someone you know, which is fine, but you can also imagine someone who doesn't exist an infinite number of times. And the computer can't do that.
1: I bet a computer can draw uh, different pictures than what I can draw more times than... Than I can. You know, like, I mean, that's the thing is, like, it can't.
2: It's got a limited limited scope. If you
1: you use the same prompt and you hit generate over and over and over again, you get a different picture every time. Right, because the the the, same picture.
2: Right, but the model's built on millions of images. So, I mean, it it
1: has, I mean, you don't have, but it's it's not hours in your day. It's not going through those images and finding one that matches and giving you that. It's, it's building right. it based, it's, it's on, building it based on a
2: huge, a huge mishmash. But what I'm saying is that like the computer is limited where the human brain is not limited at all.
1: Mm.
2: So the, the computer, you don't have enough hours in your day to hit region for as many images that it has in the database. That's how many there are.
1: If I would, but, yeah but it's not it's not a database though it's not I mean it's not a it it's database. Not, No okay <laughs> but it's not it's not a database of images where it's just like okay I'm going to use this one this time I'm going to use this one it's building it no, and no, it's, it, the, yeah. the combinations are probably more than the stars are in the sky. And I can't, I bet you if I was to draw the same image over and over again, it would very much look very much the same. <laughs> like, it, I don't think I could draw a different version of the same thing very many times. Like, honestly. Well, I guess <laughs> that's, that's what's what I'm saying, is the computer is
2: only as as imaginative and as smart as it has the data in its database to be, where the human brain is not like that. So that's that's the difference between generative AI and the human mind, your human imagination is that, like, we're not limited where the computer will always be only
1: as smart as we tell it to be, basically. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't really see yet of those being, you know, a differentiator enough to say, oh, we shouldn't use it. So let's go back to sort of the reasons why we, sh- you know, that that artists are upset about us using it in the first place so what is what is that is it it's the idea that it has gone through and scraped their images without their permission right right so
2: the issue there is one of fair use which goes into copyright infringement so the issue there is that um Artists and and writers and and creators in general are upset because all of their work has been used to build these generative models without their consent, without without being compensated, et cetera. Um, And the issue is one of fair use. So the way fair use works is that a copyrighted work can be used in a limited context. um... Sorry, my cat. Yeah, and a, a IP can be used in a limited context uh in a small window of ways that the creator can't control. So generally speaking, when a fair use claim is considered, they have four um there's four tenants basically, and there is um the purpose of the character of what the work is so if you create something based on the ip of someone else uh is the character of it commercial or non-commercial so are you making it for like an educational purpose or like editorial are you commenting on it or are you creating a commercial product based on someone else's ip so that's number one number two is the nature of the work whether it's published or unpublished whether it's fictional non-fictional so for instance, nonfictional things like facts can't be copyrighted. So you can make, you, you can't claim a copyright infringement over, you know, it's cloudy outside today. You know, like you can't do that. Uh, so, and then for fictional and not for, for fictional, and nonfictional, but for published and unpublished, you can say, uh, if someone has published a work, if someone has unpublished, like have they haven't published the work, uh, they're both the same kind of thing so if someone is published or something is unpublished it doesn't really matter all that much but if it's been published and you take pieces of it then it's it's more difficult to claim fair use Uh, the third is the amount of the work that's been used um, that's been infringed on so if you take a little a little piece of someone's work versus the entirety of it right so for most generative ai models the entire works of people are being absorbed into the model itself. Um, some in some places like books, like they're being segmented because they have to be contextualized. So you know this little section of book is like uh, the, there's a, a knight who's rescuing a princess and she's got blonde hair and brown eyes and all of the context for this little snippet and this one and this one and this one for the whole book. and then for an image it might be the entire image contextualized. With what the image looks like if you know like what if it's like a moody image if it's black and white or whatever all of that so and then the the fourth tenant is um the effect of uh the effect of a infringing work on the market itself so if it competes directly with the original and how if does it serve as a replacement for the original or are people going to get confused by the new work and that kind of thing? So when people consider fair use, those four things have to be considered. And just the very first one, whether things are commercial or not, generally like nits it in the butt immediately. So the problem with most AI generators is that they are, are commercial products themselves. So we're talking like mid-journey, uh, pseudo-write, uh, novel AI. Uh, chat GPT, uh, a lot of them have like subscriptions, right? Like you have to pay to use them and then people are using them to create commercial works. So right there, you've got a problem like right off the bat, ethically, because you're creating commercial products that are created with the backbone of work that you did not create. And then you're using that to compete directly with the people who did create that backbone. So like that's where the, that's where people are are up in arms right at the very first fair use line they just don't want to be
1: competed against
2: with with AI basically.
1: But then what about like satire and you know stuff like that where they're basically they I mean it's still a commercial. You can sell a piece of satire that is is based on something mm-hmm. in fair use, right? That's still commercial
2: it's that's that is a defense um so satire uh, parody that kind of thing that is fair use um The problem with both satire and parody is that you all like you can't um it's a an affirmative defense, so basically that means that you will have already been sued before you can say, but it's a parody like that's that's the way it works is that the, it's a defense only. So you can't, it's not going to keep you from like getting in trouble. So for right now, because most AI, and and I have seen instances where AI has directly like plagiarized something, it's easier to tell with writing than it is usually with images. But you can definitely see even in some images where like a watermark will come through, you know, where it's obvious, like something somewhere you know
1: right yeah okay but that okay but but the uh, the watermark situation though is not because it's stealing an image it's because it was trained on a whole bunch of images with watermarks and so it, the ai thinks that watermark is a valid part of an image so mm-hmm. it starts to recreate that as part of an image it's not that it's like oh it's actually grabbing that corner where the watermark is that's not what's right, happening right 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 i mean that that's that's what i'm getting at is that like i mean but it's still the same
2: the same thing i mean it's it's still those it Images are still used to generate the content. I mean, it's it's not so much that it's putting it there in the corner where it belongs. It knows that there's supposed to be something there, like you're saying. Like it knows that like enough images have been generated with a watermark that it knows that usually there's something there. But it's 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 still using all of you know its huge number of images, just bits and pieces of them to put them all together again. Um,
1: Right. Which means that it's not using the full work. Right. Like, which is part of the fair use. And it's not, um, you know, it's not like it's only taking bits. Right. And that almost even proves it in the sense that, like, if there was one image with a watermark, it would never put that watermark in. But because it's sees it in so many images. And that's why, to me, it's like, it's building these images based on looking at so many images and finding sort of common things. And that's why, like you said, it's hard to say with AI, oh, this was stolen from this artist because it's not really stolen. It was, it's taken all of those images and used them to train. And so you could say, you know, do, and I have seen images where it's like, you know, do this in the style of, you know, Salvador Dali. And then everything looks and it's very clearly like, yeah, but mm-hmm. it's like, you cannot say that and get images that are, that are very very much unrecognizable to the source material. In which case, I don't see how you know that that sort of argument of fair use comes into play because it's, you can't even tell whose it is. And well,
2: that's, then... that's only one part of fair use, though. And I agree, actually. I mean, I think that like as that's so. That's number three. That's substantiality. So that's the amount of a work that is used in a new derivative work, right? So I, I agree. I don't I don't think that that I think that that particular aspect of it would probably pass fair use because you're using an infinitesimally small piece. The problem is, is where do you draw the line between the model itself that contains the the actual derivative complete image? Right. So the the. The, uh, the database itself, the, the backbone, is built on images, complete images, 100% derivative copies that, like, should not have been created to begin with. So the entire image exists in the database. Now they're, they're links, right? So it's a link to where the image exists somewhere else. But, I mean, the idea is still there. It's a it's a picture that is being used to train the model, a complete picture. So In that respect, it absolutely fails fair use because it's using the entire image, but the resulting image may only use, you know, a a tiny, tiny fraction of a million different images. And in that respect, I could make the argument that that passes fair use, but it still fails if you try to commercially or, you know, commercially use it, I think. It still fails, I think, uh, as far as the the market value of the original work, you know, competing with people. I I can't make an argument that that, you know, it's a fair use to, you know, for, for those two aspects, even
1: if it does pass one or two, it still it doesn't pass them all. So if you if somebody wasn't using it commercially, they were just using it on their own. That's that's follows fair use. To me, it, I mean, sure. Like if you're
2: using, if you're using AI and you're creating images, uh, for editorial or educational or, um, just for personal use. I mean, I screw around with mid journey all the time. I mean, like it's, it's fun to play around with. Like it's cool tech. I love cool tech. Like I'm not, I'm not anti AI. I think AI is really cool. Like I play around with it personally all the time, but at the same time, Like, I couldn't commercially, you know, put something out there. Even though, like, I probably have my own images worked into some database somewhere. Like, I couldn't do that personally. Knowing, like, eh, I I just can't make that, like, I can't make that leap. Not yet. I mean, there's just too many, like... There's so many questions still, basically, for me. Uh, right. Too many things still so up in the air. So
1: that sort of leads into the fact that so it's not right now. It's not illegal for anyone to to use these and or even to yeah. sell their Im- the images with them, right? You know, Amazon right. has started asking the question when you mm-hmm. upload a book to to KDP about uh, whether you've used AI. Um, anything, you know, images, Uh uh, you know, text, whatever, but they're not blocking it. They're just, they're Mm -hmm. collecting the data and nobody knows why. Right. Right. Um, But it could be so that if, and when this does become illegal, they can then say, okay, all these ones. All right. There it goes. (laughs) And that, and that could be, that should be something that authors should consider is, you know, whether or not you want to take the chance that that might happen. Now, Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the realities of whether that will happen. Like, first of all, who knows when these these cases will get? Um, will probably get not for years. This, it's yeah. probably going to be a long time. Right now, what is the likely outcome? Obviously, we're guessing. We're talking out of our ass, but to me, I don't see this becoming illegal. Right? There's way too much money behind, uh, and too many huge companies behind pushing this forward, and and I think we know that kind of lobbying is, is very, very effectual in terms of uh, the way the laws work, right? So right or wrong, the money is going to push this stuff forward, in my opinion. Now, it doesn't mean that I think necessarily it'll be do whatever you want. There might be rules around it and maybe mm-hmm. it'll become sort of like how the music industry fought against streaming and then you know eventually they figured out a sort of a compensation model. So maybe... At least with the commercial products, to to be able to use a a model, uh, they will have to have compensated all of the artists that were in the model. But I think that if that becomes, um, uh, if that becomes an amount that's too hard for the market to bear, they'll just figure out ways to create say open source models where opt in models where people just say listen I don't mind if people use my art I'd love that because then that sort of immortalizes me more so yeah here take my art or take these public domain images take all this and they'll create let's say ethically sourced model <laughs> sets <laughs> mm-hmm. ethically <that> sourced <laughs> <are>. <laughs> right where it's like you know th- this this set has nothing in it that anyone objects to and then and then maybe that's how they'll go forward right um that's sort of the 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 way that i see it going but i don't know what do you what do you think is going to happen here
2: i i think that that's that's probably where it's going to land i think that there will eventually be ethical models that people can opt in or opt out of the opting out has already started i mean there already is Um, header information you can put in your website to, to tell Google to like not crawl your shit for, you know, its AI model, whether or not it listens to that is, you know, not here nor there. But I mean, you can technically start opting out here and there. Um, I think that will start to be a thing. I think that there will eventually be ethical models that where people can, that will have a huge database of all public domain material but then you can also feed into it whether or not you're compensated for that or whether or not that means you get use of the model for free, whether, you know, whether, when other people have to pay for it or whatever, who knows? But I mean, um, I think that probably, I think probably what's going to happen is that when eventually this gets to the end game, because I mean, there are lawsuits already against OpenAI, against uh, uh, Midjourney, against uh, some of the other companies. I think that they'll eventually get to the Supreme Court, and uh, fair use is going to get is going to cut it off. I don't think they're going to be able to say with a straight face, like, "Well, I mean, it's already done, you know." Whatever. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that they'll say, "Okay, like, what's what's the path forward?" So they'll probably, the services that everyone is using now, like MidJourney and Stable Diffusion, the models that everybody's using now are going to be very different in a few years. Um, because I do think that eventually, like, you're not going to be able to use the copyrighted content that most of these models are built on right now.
1: Um,
0: and, and I then, think that...
2: But, but I do think, that, I mean, it's not, the technology is not going anywhere. I mean, AI right. is here. It, it's, it's here. It, it's staying. It's, it's not going anywhere. It's just going to get bigger. The question is, is where, how, how do we ethically grow and use it, you know, as, as opposed right. to, you know, just whatever, like, yeah.
1: <laughs> like yeah. I mean, it's the west. wild west. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so Right and now I mean, that's
2: what it is, is the wild west. Yeah.
1: Right. And that's always kind of the way it is when new technology comes about. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, where we are now, I think one of the biggest differences is like, you know, often it's like this one company doing this thing and then you can control them or whatever. But the problem with AI is, you know, and I have this as an example in my own system is, you know, Midjourney and and DALI and all that stuff there you know, those commercial products and they, they you know the core can make their rules and they can they enforce their whatever and and they'll have to do that but there's there's the open source version of it the stable diffusion that I can download off of github put it on my machine go to Civid AI, download all these models that stuff i mean there's no way to enforce that those rules will then apply to any of that stuff because it's all open source stuff that, you know, people have on their own machines and run their own way and they won't have to follow those rules. Just like, you know, there are, there are prompts that you can't do in mid journey that they won't allow, whereas you can do them no problem on your own machine. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if even though they might put in all these rules, you're still going to always end up with those people that, aren't going to be affected by them, um, unfortunately. And I kind of feel like that that's the way it is with with AI in general, right? You know, people talking about with ChatGPT, with all this with AI stuff in general is, oh, we need rules around it. We have to make sure that, you know, uh, people aren't doing bad things. The problem is, is you, you make those rules and the good guys will follow those rules, but the bad guys won't. And thus the people that aren't following the rules will have this huge advantage, right? When you have... AI by commercial companies that have to do these, uh, follow these certain rules and have all these restrictions. And then you have bad actors out there with their own open source where they don't have any of those rules. They'll be able to have a huge advantage over those that, that, that follow the rules. And I feel like that's sort of like one of the biggest dangers to me with the AI, it'll be this armed race where the bad guys will always have an advantage if they don't have to follow the rules that the good guys have to follow, you know?
2: I mean, I guess you could you could make that argument about any tech, really. Though, I mean, like pretty much you can, but gets, it's usually not op- right?
1: Yeah, but it's usually not such to open sourced and and out there to such a degree and being generated so quickly. Like I was telling you offline, like you know, when I go to install this stuff, it's like you watch, i watch some videos or something and they're all, and they're not old videos, but they're all out of date because this stuff is changing so rapidly in -hmm. the open source space. You know, if you look at, um, you know, where, I don't know, examples like Uber came along and and disrupted the taxi industry. and, And for a while they were doing whatever they wanted. And then eventually rules were put in place or whatever, right. But that's to Uber and that's to Lyft and all those people. Right. But in this sense, you know, you can put it against OpenAI and Google and Microsoft, but but there's just all that tech is out there, open source, that competes with it in, in such a different level than a, a different things that where you can't you can't do that. You know, I can't create my own rideshare server. service. You know, like it's not the same thing. Like, I think that um, I don't know. There's this big difference to me where open source AI has. Run! It's just gone crazy. You know they're almost innovating to a higher level than some of the commercial stuff because the commercial stuff has a certain amount of engineers working on it in a you know a certain one product. Whereas the open source stuff, the stuff that they're doing with that, I mean they're they're doing stuff that competes. Maybe not to the level of uh, of the, the 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 scale of like ChatGP's training models, but to the, what they can do. Is you know, uh, it's just getting every day. You see, it, it's mm-hmm. moving forward faster and faster, right? And and when you start to regulate it and say, "Hey, guys, we you know, we got to make sure it's not doing this," they're not going to listen to any of that. Well, I, I mean,
2: think. I I think that there's probably going to be. I don't. I, mean, I don't think that the open source is going to have like an advantage necessarily, because I mean, with regulation, there is in an aspect of um safety to that so i think that you'll see um models for commercial services that, that follow the rules having better models because you'll have more reputable companies feeding them versus you know right like i mean if you have an open source model who the hell knows you know where it comes from what its pedigree is you know like right.
1: you but, hope that they're but open source so, so that people can people can check to make sure that it's not doing anything bad right but but the problem is you know sure their models might be bigger and stronger, but my concern is more that the rules of saying you know you can't do this and you can't do that with your AI because it's dangerous the open source community won't have to follow those rules or they can put them in in a way that somebody can just download the software and pull those rules out and you know, we already saw, like, back in the early days where somebody created this Twitter, this AI on Twitter. It was like, you, you know, the end goal was to destabilize the world. or something right, like that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you know, people do that. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't know. That's my fear about, you know, how that's going. But I don't know. <laughs> and I mean, it, it's, it's, it's like any other tech.
2: I mean, there's going to be people who use it for nefarious purposes and people who don't. I mean, it's the same it's the same as like any, like, I mean, the internet. I mean, when the, you know, the advent of the internet, people use the internet for good reasons and bad reasons. And, you know, there's people who attack, you know, software and people who, you know, ethically, yeah. like, you know, expose security, like, yeah, yeah, I and, just, so I mean, I, I, I just, I think it's going to be like that. I mean, eventually, yeah, it'll, it'll settle like where people who, are, you know, it'll be like white hat AI use and black hat AI use, like the same way it is with like a lot of tech now. So, yeah, uh, well, I mean, and I, I just don't, I think that it'll, it'll benefit from, from regulation. I, I think that like a lot of the ethical and legal concerns will, and I mean not dissolve, but they'll be, you know, they'll, they'll have a resolution it might not be a resolution everybody is thrilled about, but I mean, at that and point it, it becomes, is. yeah. And it, you're never going to please everyone with any decision that gets made. But at the same time, at that point, it becomes a personal choice. Unless, you know, it, it, if 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 the government says, okay, so this is legal, this is fine, and this is fine in this specific context, it becomes a question of, is that right, the right choice for me to pursue or not? You know, and at and that point it's, you know, there's no other consideration like that's it But right now there's still if i use this ai to make this book cover and down the road if it's illegal like is this going to blow up in my face and i have to like if recover this book or does it get full sale right.
1: yeah, yeah
2: i mean it, like you know how how well is the detection going if i if i lie to amazon and say my books aren't ai when they are are they going to be able to tell is my account going to be immediately banned you know if uh, yeah, there's a billion questions like that, where to me personally, I just, I feel like I would, I would wait until the regulation is in place before I commercially pull the trigger. But until that happens, I'm fine to play with it in the comfort of my own home. Like, you know, and and it's still very cool. And I think that there are definitely ethical ways to use AI, Um, things like, you know, brainstorming, or making an outline for a book or rapid prototyping, um, you know, like an image that you want to draw or something like that. Like um just to see what things look like, you know, like it's it's a great software for like immediately being able to see like whatever you can think of, literally. You know, like it, it's great for that. And and then going forward with things like um, like book editing, like Grammarly basically is built on AI. So if you use Grammarly for book editing, it's a, it's an AI like you know like that's it's a generative model like that that Grammarly uses. Like it's, but I think that if you're using it for spell checking your own work, I don't see a problem with that. I mean you can't it's not competing. I mean there are professional editors there you know in in that space, and I think that like authors should always use them. Because I would never trust a machine to edit a book for me. You know, like, right. I, I'll, I'll trust it to check my spelling. But I mean, like, we all use autocorrect, right? Like, I mean, how many times is it wrong? You know, like,
1: how many right. times do you like, maybe oh,
2: stupid damn maybe autocorrect? It'll
1: be, maybe it'll be better now with
2: AI. Yeah, I know, but I, yeah, but I guess that's what my point is. is just that not like, perfect. There are ethical ways to use AI now, commercially. Right. Um. But book cover, making like copies of books and selling them, I'm not there yet. And I won't be there until
0: all of the pieces fall into place in terms of like the regulation. So we'll see how it goes. What a brilliant place to wrap this up because we've reached the top of the hour. But that was like you couldn't have, you couldn't have rehearsed a better way to wrap up that particular debate. <laughs> I don't think we reached any any good conclusions, but I think it was a very interesting discussion.
1: No, and I don't think that, you know, we can reach any because it's not yeah. uh it's not no a, black yet. and white. Yeah, there's no yeah. it's not a black it, and white it, thing, right? And that's kind it, of it. what we wanted here is to at least, sh- you know, to uh, you know, when I sent out that email that I mentioned earlier it's like, hey, look what we can do. But what I didn't do, which was, you know, where I missed the point was um, to say to people, but listen, we can do this, but think about it first and think about what you're going to do and think about what the the issues are around this, because they're not resolved yet. And there are people out there that um, feel one way and people that feel a different way. And you need to understand those arguments so that you understand the way you feel and, and what you're comfortable with if you decide to move forward or
0: not. So hopefully we've, we've helped uh, help that out, <laughs> that argument out. Well, absolutely. Well, we shall wrap this up. Nate, um, if anyone is interested in finding about your cover design and all the other things you do, where can they find out more about you?
2: Um, uh, I generally post on Hidden Gems,
0: uh, hiddengemsbooks.com. Uh,
2: you can also find me on Reddit, where I am Salacious Stories, the moderator of both uh, our erotic authors and our romance authors. Fantastic.
1: Well,
0: Craig, any final thoughts before we wrap up? Uh, you
1: know, just... Like I said, just uh, I hope that this was a fair and balanced look at, at the, the way that the, uh, the, the industry is right now and sort of the direction it's going and where we think it might go. Um, this might change. We might update this in a few months to, to have this discussion again. But for now, uh, hopefully it's a good way for, for authors that aren't aware of how all of this is unfolding to get a sort of a quick primer on it
0: fantastic and yes and you know this is probably a debate that is going to raise lots of questions and comments and things so don't be shy about leaving a comment down below about this discussion while you're down there if you haven't already click that subscribe button hit that like button there's a bell icon so you get notified every time a new episode comes out and we'll be back next week with another episode of fully booked so until then cheerio